Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another word-filled message by David Entry. Preaching is the means by which God manifests his word and nourishes our spirits. May the life of God enter into you and you as you listen to this message. Be blessed. There is a reason why God created man. Not for us to come and eat sandwich. (laughs) Some of you, for your information, you are not created for romance. (laughs) Some of you think that if I don't have it, I'll die. No, please. You are not created for money. You were not created to come and look at the beauty of creation. And we are not created for that. God created us for his own purpose. And in the beginning, the Bible says that let us make man in our own image after Genesis 1.26, after our likeness. Let us make man in our own image after our likeness. This is interesting. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and all that. And then the Bible says, then God made man in his own image after his likeness. And, in his, and God created man in his own image. And in the image of God. It's interesting. How are we created? In the image of God. Let us make man in our own image. So God, in the image of God, created he, him. It's just an image. But it doesn't have Zoe. It doesn't have life. It's just an image. And because of the image, there is, um, there is some similarity between man and God for which reason we can communicate. You know, you can't talk to certain animals, you can't communicate with them because we are not on the same frequency. So God created us on a certain frequency, even though God is, watch this, theologians call it, uh, is his, his dissimilar. Dissimilar means it's not similar, it's not the same, it's, it's not, we, you, you are not God. Tell those religious, religion, other, human beings are not God. Your grandmother is not God. God is different. That is why the Jews had a big problem reconciling the fact that Jesus said, I'm God. Because God is not man. So you can't restrict God to the level of man. But he can restrict himself. That's what he did in Christ. He restricted himself to the level of why? Because God created man in his image. So to a certain extent, he can appear like man. Because there is a certain similarity, point of reference between God and man. So God created man in his image and in his likeness. Why? So that he can fit himself into man. He can fit God into man, the life of God into man, and it will fit and work. But man, before God could put himself in man, Satan got something else to take the lead. So it became a problem for God to put himself into man. And Satan introduced what is called death. 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 So 
God told man, the day you eat this, Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, that the day you eat this, you will surely die. So Satan deceived man, man disobeyed God, and death, man was exposed to death. So instead of God, the life of God coming into man, into the, the, the shell, man is like a shell. Okay, so instead of the life of God coming, rather, this shell became so damaged, it became dead, death. That's why in last week's teaching, Genesis chapter 5, and this one begat this and died. This one begat it, it lived and died. They kept living but was dying. Everyone who lived died because death has become part of living. But it wasn't like that in the beginning. So death was not part, was not meant to be part of our living. But because we disconnected from God, death became part of our living. Now, we had a certain level of connection with God and we could have koinonia with God, which is interaction, communication, fellowship with God. But yet, God had not actually downloaded himself into us. And let me put it this way, God hasn't checked into humanity. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? So even though we, can com- we could communicate with God, God was not in man. Does that make sense? Yes. But man, watch this. Man could, was created to contain God, but he was not yet, God was not yet in man, but could relate with man. But when they sinned, they broke the continuum or they broke the fellowship. And so death in its fullness took over man. So man's physical death, uh, sorry, physical life became exposed to dying. So everybody lives and dies. Everybody lives and dies. And so death became the greatest enemy of man. Everybody is on his way out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's interesting, we don't rather prepare. (laughs) It looks like we prepare to live longer (laughs) or live forever. Because when I look at your budget, your expenditure, your focus, your pursuit. It looks like, do you think you're living forever? Yes. It looks like you're planning to really stay. <laughs> <laughs> the way we take so good care, you take so much care of your body, which is necessary, which is necessary. But we take care of the body as though that's all there is and it's going to be forever. No one is meant to live long because what God said is still valid. Still holds. He said, you will surely die. So death became the problem of man. From Adam, death passed. So from the last teaching, Jesus Christ now had to come and face death. He took on death face to face. That's why he died. Some of you haven't realized I'm preaching the gospel. This is what Christianity is about. That's why Christ died. He went to the cross, so they say, how can God die? It's because you don't understand the gospel. The gospel has two essential aspects, death and resurrection. You can't negate or marginalize or silence or take away the dying of Christ out of the gospel, you have invalidated the gospel. As soon as you mute the death of Christ from the gospel, erase it, you take it from the gospel, you have made the gospel invalid. And if you take the life of Christ from the gospel, it's useless. 
So the gospel is a gospel of life. Watch this. The gospel is about a living person, not a dead person. Yes, sir. The gospel is to remove him from the cross. That they've kept him on the remove. The gospel is not that crucifix. No. He died on the cross, but he left the cross 2,000 years ago. He didn't even stay there long. His death was a death-defying, death-overcoming death. He died to overcome death. In, in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 24, Bible says that for whom God raised from the dead, because it was not possible, it was not possible that death should, death should hold him. He couldn't be held by death. You know how sometimes maybe you jam your, your, your dress in a door and then it holds you back, you can't pull out. And you, you have to open the door or you are locking something. You know, in secondary school, you're, you're something like that and then it's locked in. And now you can, you, we have to get someone to come and unlock this thing so we can release you. Death couldn't hold everybody who de- dies. Death say, welcome, stay here. Jesus died and death could not hold him because the Bible said it was not possible. And in our last teaching, I explained why it was impossible because there was no sin in him. Yeah. Right, so the handle of death is sin. So if there's no sin in him, what is God, death going to use to hold can't, He can't hold it. Can't. There's nothing he can use to hold him. So it was not possible. So those of us who are living in sin, it was not possible. <laughs> yeah, when you live in sin, you give death different handles, room to operate freely. So it's not, you are not doing it for the pastor. I'll come to that. Should I go into sin? Yes. Uh, uh, people can say, uh, okay, uh, uh, <laughs> because of the lockdown, a lot of things have happened. <laughs> so death couldn't hold him. His death was a death conquering death. And he came back to life. And not only death conquering, conquering, we have this life. And so the life that Christ has is not a life that can die. It's a death defeating or death conquering. It has actually conquered death. And that is what is introduced to us. Now I'm going somewhere. When you become born again. It's not just a death conquering life. It is also death swallowing. It has, yeah. Second Corinthians chapter five verse four, he has swallowed up death. He swallowed. Said he says that for we who are in this tent, tent means physical body. Okay, in this tent, grown, being burdened. How many of you know being physically alive sometimes challenges and all that? You know, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed. It's not that we want to die, but further clothes that mortality that dying may be swallowed up by life. So this life that Christ brings us into, it swallows up mortality. That is why I believe in miracles. That is why, because you see, when Satan visits you, things begin to die in your life. It can be your health, it can be your marriage, it can be your... Common sense. <laughs> it, can, it, can, it can be your job. It can be your career. It, it can be your 
I mean, something, something. And all of us, because of Adam's death, we have we are seeing different forms of death. So ultimately, is when a person dies completely. All right, when you are buried and all that. But there are different forms of death that. Satan's job or Adam's disobedience has introduced into our lives. Why would people divorce? Why? The one you really loved. BFF. (laughs) You you really loved him. You really loved her. You sold your mother's jewelry to to celebrate her birthday at the shard. I mean, you, you love her. You love her. You will do anything for you. I will do anything for her. You can't live. You couldn't live if living is without you. Can't live. And I said, I can't stand you. Where, where, where has that romance gone? <laughs> it's like, it's like um, there was romance in your life. It was going on. Then suddenly romance died out of your life. <laughs> Left you with a broken heart. Oh. Hey. <laughs> Why? What happened? It's called death. It's incipient death. The early stages of death is showing up. It's showing up in all areas. You used to be very good academically. You used to do well, doing well. So you you got to university first year. Now they ask you, seven plus eight. You say, 78. What's happening to you? You used not to be what you are. What you are experiencing in your life, you are not happy with it. It's like you are losing something. Something is slipping out of your life. Something good is slipping out. Look at the beautiful relationship you had with your daughter. You had with your son. You had with your mother. You had with your brother. You had with your sister. What has happened? What has happened? Something life has slipped out. All you can see is just going, it's going at a fast rate. Especially people who are married sometimes when troubles are coming and the relationship gets to a place you realize that every day there's something new. Sometimes you sit down, discuss everything, and you say, oh, okay, we understand. No, no, let's put everything aside. Within two days, another different, different problem shows up. And the argument gets worse than it used to be. And things are heightening. And you really, you, it's like you're losing control over a good relationship. Or it can be very frustrating. You are preaching a good message. There are people who are losing control. Yeah. Over their mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Losing control because the, the job is killing you. The relationship between you and your supervisor is getting worse. If it's persecution, that's a different story altogether. Yeah, because some unbelievers, they hate Christianity. But life is slipping out. That's what happened. And so, when you have the life of Christ, 
That is why we, I can stand here and prophesy some things. Even though your marriage seems to be going down, I can prophesy as I preach the word of God, as I preach the word of life. Life is supposed to search back into that life relationship. So it's, it's not only physical death, mortality, but I'm talking about all the nuances of death that are creeping into your life can be brought under control by the word of God and by the the life in Christ. So when we come into Christ, we have life and it's not, so what kind of life? For God so loved the world, John John chapter three, verse 15. It says that God gives us eternal life in the son. 15, yeah, John 3, 15. (laughs) Eternal life is in his son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. <laughs> Some of you, it's only John 3.16, you know. <laughs> eternal life. Let me add it for you just for John 3.16. <laughs> eternal life. John 3.36. Eternal life. Eternal life. So when Adam fell and Adam disobeyed God, the devil thought he has had the last laugh. But God promised that I'm going to still give man life. Oh, goodness. I'm, I'm still going to introduce man to life. It was a promise. Listen. One of the things you have to know about God, in spite, we know him as Jehovah Jireh, okay, the provider. We know, Jehovah Jireh, you are more, all that. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's Rafa Hila. Yeah. He's Mekadeshke, my righteousness, our sanctifier. He's Nisi, our banner. He's Shammah, present. He's Shalom, our peace. He's Sabbath, our, our, our fighter. He fights on our behalf. He's Ra, our shepherd. He's Elohim, the, the Almighty. He's all that because no one word can express, express, describe God. He's, he's several things. That's why I said, uh, tell, him, tell them I am. Yeah, he said I am. You remember when I quoted it last week, how they argued the Jews were having a disco, not disco, argument or whatever, disagreement with Jesus, and Jesus said that then if you, if you believe in my word, you will not see death. John chapter 8, you will not see death. And they said, Who, what do you make of yourself? The prophets are dead. Abraham is dead. And they, they died. And you are saying that anyone who here believes in your word will not taste. I like the word they use, they will not taste. That's a very strong, that's what I was teaching her. Will not taste death. Because tasting death, <laughs> tasting death means you are experiencing the greatness of death. Even when you are dying, it's, it's unpleasant. But Jesus said you won't taste death. That means that when it comes for you to check out of this life, you won't even feel it. You won't feel it. Because you won't, what the wickedness, the pain of death, Christian is not meant to experience it. Oh. He said, if you believe in me, you won't taste death. Amen. Did you, did you believe this? He said, he said believe it, yeah. It's, it's chapter 11 of John, verse 26. He said, he who believes in me, he said, he who believes will not die. And even if you die, yeah. if he's dead, he said, he will, he will uh, 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 so, so he said, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Yeah. Do you believe this? 
You won't taste death. 25 says that if you believe it, you, you, you will not taste it. So the Jew says that you are saying that Abraham is dead. Though. <laughs> Abraham, the patriarch, is dead. And the prophets, yeah. they are dead. Yeah. You are saying anyone who believes in your word will not die. Those guys, they heard from God directly. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Abraham, the friend of God. Abraham was the friend of God. Yeah. But you are saying, oh, come on. If you were a Jew, you would definitely want to stone him. But then he said that Abraham rejoiced to see my days. And he saw it and was glad. Oh, now you are making, you are making the whole thing complex. What do you mean by Abraham? Abraham saw your days. He, he said he rejoiced to see my days. And he saw it. Rejoiced to see my death, and he saw it, and he was glad. And they said, excuse me, we knew you are demon-possessed. <laughs> because you are not yet 50. You are not yet 50, and you are saying that Abraham saw your days? You are not yet 50. Then watch this. Jesus said, before Abraham. Now, the reason I showed you this scripture... I don't want you to miss it. Before Abraham, I am. Then look at what happened in the next verse. What, did he, what, did, what happened? They took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus walked walk out. All right. Why did they take stones to throw at him? Because he was making himself equal with God. He said, I mean, how? The reason he used the word I am, that's the name of God. So for him to say before Abraham, I am. He said, before Abraham, God. And you see, in the Greek, it's ego imi. Ego means I am. Imi means I am. So he said, before Abraham, I am the I am. That's what he meant. I am the I am. That's God. You have actually using God's name. So God is all that. Yeah. And we have to know God like that. Yeah. He is the God, uh, our provider, our shepherd, our healer, our guide, our protector, and all that. But we also have to know, this is what the church has not been made very much aware of, that he is the God of promise. If you know God, you will know promises. I feel like preaching. You can't know God without knowing about his promise. When you get closer to him, even before you know he's a healer, you know he has a word. He's a promise, a God of promise. What is this promise? All right, let me go back and let's start from where I ended off. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Verse 9, 8 is too far. So chapter 1, I'm sorry. I mean chapter 1. I'm very, please forgive me. Chapter 1 from verse, eight, let's go to 9 so that. It says that God saved us. Um, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our, our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Oh, I like grace. Someone say grace. grace. He has saved us according to his own purpose and grace. How did he save us? According to his own purpose and what and grace. So the purpose of God is what has kept you alive. It's the purpose of God that has brought you to church, not your friend. Wow. 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 <laughs> yeah. 
It's not a dream you had. Some people were chasing you to try and kill you. So you woke up and said, I have to go to church now. No. All those things were means. But behind it is the purpose of God. He, saved us, he saves us based according to his purpose and not just his purpose because there can't be salvation without grace. Grace is God is himself at work. Not the pastor's preaching is good. Oh, the pastor's preaching is good, so I decided to serve God. No, you, no, no, you got it wrong. It's the grace of God which was being demonstrated through the preaching. So the, 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 pastor, the pastor's preaching is called the gospel of grace. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, it's the gospel of grace. When he preaches, he's supposed to leave grace on your life. Ah, I feel like preaching. When he preaches, he's supposed to leave grace on your life. I'll come back to that. And so he says that God called us according to his purpose and his grace. Some people didn't notice the gospel of grace, but I didn't have time to read. Is there Acts chapter 20, verse 24? He said, I, I not only ready to suffer or not, the gospel of grace, the last, the grace of God, gospel of the grace of God. Now watch this. So he says, chapter 2 Timothy again, he says, who called us according to his, according to his, his own purpose and grace, which was given, this is very interesting, the purpose, his own purpose and grace was given to us. In Christ. Uh, where? In Christ. Where? In Christ. I'm talking to a Christian. Where? In Christ. That's why when we go and preach, we preach Christ. Yes, sir. We preach Christ. We give you sandwich without Christ. It, will, it can't even make you a witch. <laughs> <laughs> if we give you sandwich without giving you Christ, we are bewitching you. <laughs> so, so, it says that was, it was given to us in Christ. If you are not in Christ, you are not entitled to anything God has got. It was given to us, the purpose was given, grace was given to us in Christ before the world began. That is also a very interesting thing. But you were not born. God already has, has planned you. Now look at this. Mm-hmm. Giving to Christ, then it talks about Christ. Mm. But, but it talks about, but this, what was given to us in Christ before we began, has now been revealed by the appearing. So when Jesus appeared, the purpose of God and the grace of God that was given to us before we was revealed. So seeing Jesus is seeing grace at work. Was, was revealed at the appearing, watch this, at the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who that's who. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Who has abolished death. He finished death and brought life. Oh, oh. And immortality to light. That's where I'm going, please. <laughs> because when we preach, we release life. Those who don't like preach, that's why those who dance and sleep during preaching, you can see it in the in different aspects of their life. Yeah? Because the key is in the gospel, the preaching of the gospel. The preaching of the gospel. Paul calls it my gospel. In Romans chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Very interesting. Let me take you somewhere. Take us. us. He says that Paul, an apostle of, a, a born servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, he tells me the job of a pastor right there. 
separated unto politics. No. Separated unto financial advice. No. Separated unto prayer. Separated unto business. No. no. The pastor, you must find something in his mouth. Because when God calls you, he actually, it's like he sets you aside for something. That's it. Every genuine Christian leader has been set aside by God. God sets you aside. So there are people who are supposed to be doing different things, but you have been set aside. Unto the gospel, not for of you. You don't have a gospel, even though it becomes your gospel once you accept it. Right, right. But the gospel originally belongs to God. That's right. To the gospel of God. You be, why is it that when you preach, we don't, we don't, we don't see Jesus? Wow. We see prosperity. Wow. Hey. Wow. We see marriage, wow. but we don't see Jesus. Wow. No wonder the lockdown locked a lot of people out of faith. Because pastors who are supposed to be separated unto the gospel have added other things to the separation. And majoring more on that because it's more acceptable societally. Everybody wants to hear about that. So people have made themselves prosperity preachers. Everybody here, you must have money. You must have, when they are preaching, it's, it's like life is for money. So it doesn't matter your private life. It doesn't matter your spiritual level. Please, let's leave that. We need money. You have to get money. You have to get money. You have to get money. And your life is full of mourning. Separated unto the gospel of God. Watch this. Which God, uh, I told you when you know, when you come to God, you must know he's a God of promise. He said, which he promised. Promised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God promised. What did he promise? The gospel. Yes. Yes. He's not just Jireh. He's not just sh- sh- uh, Shalom. He's not just Shama. He's the God of promise. Hallelujah. He, from the beginning, promised, uh, which is promised through the prophet. When you read the scriptures, you must see the promises of God. It's all there. The promise of God is there. Now, I want to draw your attention to what this promise is about. Second okay. Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2. Verse 1 says that Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of what? Life. The promise of God is the promise of life. That is why it was promised before time began. Ah. When he said, let us make man into our own image, in the statement was buried a promise to put himself, which is life, into this image. But when he finished the image, the image was a lifeless image. So the first thing he did was, he breathed bios. Physical living into man, but not Zoe. Because Zoe, he wanted man to go for Zoe. Go for it, go for it. He, he put the desire for Zoe in man to go for it. And he packaged Zoe, Zoe in the form of a tree called the tree of life. It's not ordinary life. It's a tree of Zoe. So that if man, by his own volition and decision, goes to take from this tree, the promise kicks in. It's the promise of life. That's why he created us. He created us so that we can receive this promise of life, which nothing else can receive. Hallelujah. And you can't find anywhere. 
is the God of promise. So when you study the scriptures, you see that the scriptures is replete with promises. In Titus chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says that, Paul, a born servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth that accords with godliness, look at this, the next verse, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, what did he promise? Eternal life. Now, there's a difference between eternal life and internal life. (laughs) For God so loved the world that he gave his only because that whosoever believes in shall not perish but have everlasting. No, not internal. It's eternal. Eternal is different from internal. Internal means inside. Eternal means God. So eternal life means the God kind of uncreated life of God. Eternal life means the divine life. Eternal life means God himself, the real life we are meant to have in the garden. And that's what the gospel is about. So Jesus Christ had to abolish this death that has, has filled man, abolish it, and bring life and immortality to light. So this immortality is the death swallowing life. It's the death conquering life. It's immortality. He had to bring it to light. So that Jesus said, if you believe in me, you shall live, you won't die. Because death cannot have oh, death cannot have power over you. God promised it. He promised from the beginning, and that's why He promised Abraham. The promise of God to Abraham is not promise of wealth. The real promise is the promise of life. It's the promise of life. But when life comes, all the other things that pertain to life and godliness also begin to flow in. I see life coming to somebody. I see life surging again in somebody's life. God is a God of promise. And so when we talk about Jesus bringing life to light, one, the life that he brings, that life is in Christ. Two, that life is a promise. That's what I want us to note. It's a promise. But that promise can only be effected in Christ. And it's very interesting to realize that everyone who is in Christ, uh uh, watch this, everyone who is in Christ has life. That is why that life in Christ must also begin to manifest in the other areas of your life where death, like with many, many different tributaries and nuances of death in your marriage, in your romance, in your health, in your career, in your business, in your ministry. It's like death one way or the other, in your family life, your relationship with your children, your relationship with your mother. How many of you know that sometimes when you have something and you lose it, it's not pleasant at all? Something you like, especially when it comes to what you can buy with money. You can buy with money, maybe your academic prowess or excellence, academic well-being. You know you used to be good, but now what has happened? 
your relationship with your wife or your husband or your relationship with your mother, things keep getting worse and it's frustrating, especially marriage. When things are not going well, you are trying, you are doing everything, but it's like it's breaking down and breaking down and you are not in control. It can be very frustrating. But I prophesy life. I prophesy life. It says that, look at Titus. Titus chapter 1, I spoke about it, but let's look at the verse um, uh, 2. It says that the promise, uh, the, in hope of eternal life. This thing, uh, look at verse 1. Let me show you something. Paul, a born servant of Jesus Christ, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith. See, now according to your wealth. <laughs> These things they are doing, they are spoiling the church work. They <laughs> 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 are spoiling. Yeah. Wow. spoiling the church work. Are you trying to say wealth is not necessary? But when we have faith, when we have faith in life, there's no amount of money we need to do what has to be done and it will be available. We speak and come. Jesus said, they said, we want, we want money. Say, so catch a fish, open them up. There'll be, there'll be, there'll be. Money has, oh, oh, money has never been a problem to the people working with God. When you don't have anointing, you won't have money. But when there is anointing, you can say, sorry, say. <laughs> There is anointing, you can say, May your money perish with you. Yes. Because the Lord is moving, and when there is the life of God, all other things that are necessary, when you plant a seed in the soil, do you have to go and give it the leaves? <laughs> you have to give it leaves, and no, you leave it, just plant it because it has what it takes to germinate or generate or germinate and bring out all this. It has already embedded it. That's the life of God. When you have the life of God, all these things are packaged into you already. But when you have preachers, who will not preach the gospel. But preach some other things, not for the building of your faith, but just for the comforting of your life. At the end of the day, you, you, your focus, your attention is drawn to what can guarantee what you need. Yeah. Right. But as you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, yeah. these things shall be added. Yeah. It, will, it will come. It will come. Show me someone who has prioritized God, and I'll show you sometime who cannot be last, last in life. Yeah. You can prioritize God and be, and be a sorry, sorry, sorry object in life. People will look, oh, Bele, sorry. Bele, oh, sorry. How? You, you shine. Yeah. The, the, the path of the just, Proverbs 4, it's like the, the shining light that shines brighter and brighter and brighter. Why is your own getting dimmer? The just. Who is the just? The one who is justified. And according to Romans chapter 3, verse 24, we are justified by grace. Being justified free, you don't even buy it. We are justified freely. We being justified freely by His grace. Yes. Not by disgrace, by His grace. Amen. How can you end up in disgrace when you have been justified by His grace? Disgrace is a sign that something is dying. Yes. Honor is dead. Glory is dead. But he has called us unto glory and eternal life. Amen. You will never see shame. Yeah. Yeah.
Let's go back to Titus because I have a lot to cover. Paul, a born servant of Christ Jesus, of God, an apostle of Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect. And guess what? And the acknowledgement of the truth. When a, God, a, a preacher preaches, you must acknowledge the truth. That is in line with godliness. Because this is job is to convey the truth to you. For people to realize, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And our generation is beginning to be void of many preachers like that because people have itchy ears. Don't change it. Don't try to make us different to do. We have been separated onto a course. You play basketball or lawn tennis, tennis. And this footballer, he's on his football. He's supposed to go and train. You say, oh, let's go, we are in life, let's go and play. But he has to train his job. He doesn't doesn't have to waste his time on basketball courts. But just for the sake of socialization, when he has a major match the next day, when he has a major match. So he said that when you are in Christ, you have life. Verse 2 of Titus chapter 1, he says, um, in hope of eternal life. Now, in in 2 Timothy chapter Sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. Paul talks about how everyone is, who is in Christ has life. I've paraphrased, but I said, how for this reason, however, for this reason, I obtain mercy that in me first Christ might be shown to all, uh, sorry, might show all long suffering as a pattern of those who are going to believe in him, what? For, when you, be, you believe in him for eternal life. It's very important to understand that. When you believe in Christ, you believe in him for eternal life. And now this eternal life is not just when you die, you go to heaven. Peace. It's not just that. I'm dying. No, don't get it wrong. It's the life that God promised from the beginning. That is supposed to find an expression in your physical living. That has been denied you by the sin of Adam. That's the life he's talking about. So in chapter 3 verse 7. In Titus chapter 3, verse 7, it talks about how we are introduced into life by the grace. Watch this. He said, having been justified, I mentioned by grace, you remember earlier on. We have been justified by his grace. We should be as according to the hope of eternal life. Amen. Paragraphs. By his grace. Amen. The grace... So the grace we receive, when you be, he said by grace are you saved, remember Romans chapter 3, verse 20, uh, 24, talks about we are freely justified, how? By grace. Romans chapter 5, verse 2, it talks about how we have been in this grace where we, we are believed into grace. Is there? It says that through whom we also have access by faith into this grace. So when you are born again, you are actually operating at this grace. When you are born again, you come into grace. Now, when we talk about grace, this grace comes with this life. So this grace is a function. You receive grace when you are born again, but the grace you have received actually introduces you to eternal life. It's the real life of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? When you are born again, this whole thing is a grace thing. Grace is, I mean, it happens in grace and everything. But look at Romans chapter 5 again. Chapter 5, verse, um, let's look at 15, then we look at 17, then we look at 21. And you see how we are meant to reign. I like this one, I like this one. He said, but the free gift is not like the offense, like what Adam did. 
the offense of Adam. For if by one man's offense, many died. You know, because of Adam's offense, death passed on all. And actually, verse 12 says it clearly. He said, by one man, Adam's sin, all died. So therefore, just as through one man's sin, uh, sorry, one man's sin entered the world, and death through sin. So, so one man's sin, through the one man's sin entered, and death also came by sin. So it says that verse 15, if by one man, so, so if by one, one man's offense, many died, much more the great, the what? The grace of God and the gift of and the, and, uh, sorry, sorry, and the gift by grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, ab- abounded to many. So when you are in Jesus, Jesus will receive grace, and there is a gift that comes with grace. This is eternal life. It's a, great, a function of grace. Look at verse 17, it's very interesting. We reign, we reign. It says that for if for if by one man's offense, death reigned through one man, much more those who receive what? When you become born again, what do you receive? When you become born again, what do you receive? That's why disgrace shouldn't find its place in your life. You receive grace in abundance. And what do you receive it for? Those who have received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. In life. Zoe is making you reign. You, God created and said, let them have dominion. That's what it means to reign. You are in control. In your, over your health. Over your marriage, Amen. over your career, your business. Amen. When you are in Christ, you have received abundance of grace to reign in life. Reigning in life. Look at verse 21. Reigning in life. So that as sin reigned, oh, it's getting interesting. As sin, sin reigned in death. Even, say even so. Even so. I like the even so's. They're much more, even more. Those, those, don't, don't take those adjectives for granted. Therefore, so as sin reigned in death, and it was comfortably raining, and most of us know what I mean when sin has reigned. Even so, grace might reign how? Uh, righteousness. Through righteousness, eh? Wow. See the life thing, the life thing, the life thing. Grace is reigning through righteousness to eternal life. Producing this life we are talking about. You are born again, you have it, but it's not manifesting. It's not manifesting. This, you are born again, but still things are dying. You are born again, but still, you are, you are about to file for divorce. You are born, born again, and yet, financially, you are, drain, you are drowning. Doing, you are doing everything, doing everything. What is wrong? That means it looks like grace is not raining. Because when grace is raining, they look at your life, they see everything is working for you. And then they say, how is it, how is it working? He said, just by the grace of God, by the grace of God, just by the grace of God, just by the grace of God. When grace reigns, it reigns unto life. So death gets, this abolition of death 
kicks in in every aspect of your life. Generally, when we die, we don't say physical death. We will not taste it. But when you are alive, when you have, if you have eternal life, if you have eternal life, it's, it should begin to have control in a lot of other areas of your life. Eternal life must take authority. But why is it that I'm born again, but it's not happening? It's because grace has not been given permission to reign. Pastor, how can grace reign? I told you, it's the gospel of grace. It's the gospel of promise. It's the gospel of Christ. I didn't even get into that. About how he says it's my gospel. God will establish you according to my gospel. My, my gospel. My, the gospel the pastor is preaching, God will use that to establish you. Romans chapter 16 verse 25. The gospel the pastor is preaching. God, you, hey, you don't like preaching. I'm sorry, God can't help you. You don't like preaching? Oh, this kind of preaching, this kind of preaching. What should we say? <laughs> Seven steps to enjoy a romantic life. You like that one? On a Sunday morning. Five ways to receive increase of pay. No, that one, we don't have to teach it. We can prophesy it. Help us, Shakatahola. He says, 2 Timothy again, let go back, then we'll come back to this grace thing. 2 Timothy again, he said that Christ, chapter 1, verse 10, Christ has abolished death and has brought life and not dying, immortality to life, to, sorry, to light through the gospel. That's why it's the gospel of promise. That's right. Separated unto the gospel. If you are not preaching the gospel, you are killing people. Yeah. The only way life and immortality can, can be manifested is through the preaching, put to the preaching of the gospel. Pastors who fear the faces of people or political opinion and can't preach the gospel are actually denying the manifestation of life in the lives of the, the audience. Through the preaching of the gospel, not preaching of a message. I have a message, yes. Is it the gospel? Is it the gospel of life? Is it the gospel of Christ? Is it the gospel that accords with righteousness? Is it the gospel of grace that people hear and they begin to want to get closer to Christ? Or they finish and they want to go and even invest in more stocks and bonds, whether it's crooked or straight. They don't mind because it's, it's because the church is desperately in need of money. And so their message has changed. But we have been separated unto the gospel. Separated unto the gospel. He said, listen, Christ brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Not through the, his death. Because the gospel captures the, the message about his death, why he died, and it's about his resurrection. Because the gospel is about a living person, not a dead person. A living person. That's why the gospel can give life. It's about a living person. But we can't talk about his life without mentioning how he died for us. Because he had to go and abolish death first, in death. So I preached a message, and I said the other time, that in Christ's death, death died. Because it's abolished. Right. Let me finish this by drawing attention to one or two things. Is that okay? Yes. Some of you are not happy at all. Yeah. 
Wow. Are you still alive? Yes. I see life coming. Amen. I see life coming. Amen. Every aspect of your life, receive the life of God. Yes. Receive the Zoe of God. Yes. Receive eternal life in the name of Jesus. Yes. Shout hallelujah. So let me just uh, finish by the Romans chapter 5, verse 21, where we spoke about how the gospel reigns, or sorry, grace reigns. Huh. So that, so that us, I think we should all read it from the screen. Is it okay? Yes. If, you, if you can see it, read it out. Let's go. So that as we remain in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hey, it's so loaded. So, so then as sin reigned in death, Jesus has abolished death, so sin shouldn't reign. Yeah. But why is it still raining? Because grace has been given permission to reign. Even so, grace might reign. How does grace reign? You tell me you're not fornicating is for the pastor. <laughs> I know some of you didn't hear what I said. Fornication is extreme. But it's what a lot of people do. Sin reigns. But grace also wants to reign through righteousness. It wants to reign through righteousness. Through righteousness. So what, how do you physically bring the effect of life of Christ in you to begin to manifest? It's number one, through the reigning of grace. And how can grace reign? Through righteousness. Do what is right. Do what is right. Obey God's word. Whether it's popular, it's not popular. Whether it feels nice, stop leading yourself with your emotions. Mm. Today I feel because of the way I was feeling. And your feelings are destroying your future. That's right. Your feelings are compromising your prospects. Who doesn't have feelings? Some people's ones are even hotter than your own. <laughs> Is it not true? I'm telling you. <laughs> So everyone has feelings, but stop using your feelings as an excuse for your failure. Feelings. Because others have stronger feelings and are not failing. Yes, 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 yes. Wow. Let me, let me, so number one is righteousness. You want grace to reign righteousness. Number two, you want to see life at work. <laughs> Fellowship. <laughs> I, I just wanted to give you the two points and then. There's more, but I'll leave you that too. It's okay. What do you mean by fellowship? It says, <laughs> that which was from the beginning. First John chapter 1, verse 1. That which from the beginning was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen our, with our eyes, which we have looked, on, uh, looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the same as uh, eternal life, the same as life, okay? Ah, verse 2. The life, uh, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. We have, we have, we have experienced this life. We the preachers, we have experienced it. When I say we the preachers, I'm telling you what I've experienced. Yes, 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 yes. I'm telling you what I've experienced. Life is working for me. I used to fall sick a lot. So I got born again. Change the story. Because life surged in. That's right. Life took over. That's right. 
Because I practice what will allow grace to reign. Amen. <laughs> okay. you, have allowed, you have restricted all your breakthroughs to declarations. Pastor, declare amen, amen. But it's not happening. Why? Something is blocking it. Please push it. I need to finish. No, no. I have to finish in that two minutes. Watch this. That life. We are manifested to us. Look at verse 3. This is where it starts. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship, that's the Greek word is koinonia. Our koinonia is with the Father and with the Son, His Son, Jesus Christ. So when we come and we are having this fellowship, God Himself is still part of it. Watch this, watch this. It's getting sound. So God is part of our fellowship. Stay at home and withdraw yourself from fellowship. Today I'm really down, so I just want to be by myself. That's where you miss it. The more you are down, the more you should be looking for fellowship. Because there's, God has buried life in, his fellow, in fellowship. Because as soon as he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, me, I am come, I'm there. So when we gather, he said, our fellowship is with the Father. It's not the way you feel about church. No. Excuse me. It's not the way you feel about church. But it's the God who has committed himself to the gathering of the people. Yes. And I watched that. I need to finish it. So you should have fellowship with us because our fellowship with the Father and the Son. Now look at the next verse. It's very it's going to say some interesting And these things we write to you that... Ye, uh, your joy may be full. The next verse quickly. I want to show you. I'm going to verse 7. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness. Now, anyone who doesn't like fellowship, is, there's a sign of darkness. Watch this. Look at the next verse. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we are lying. The, the way you are, you are comfortably sinning. This your church like is, if life is fake. He said, you are lying. Mm. I didn't say, this is, this is what our generation doesn't want to hear. Mm. A fake, righteous person like you. <laughs> it has, this statement has just delivered somebody. Yeah. Sometimes something must catch you. Yeah. Yeah. For you to really, you know, yeah, you check your level. Watch this. We lie. But look at the verse 7. I like verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have, watch this. He said it's automatic. Once we walk in the light, we have fellowship. So the one who is walking away from fellowship is likely you are not in the light. That's why you are getting bored by fellowship. And people make flippant statements. That's for me, church people. I, I, I don't like That's why I just keep to myself, myself to myself. Shame on you. You are not spiritual. You are not spiritual. You are very narcissistic and selfish. Because the church life is koinonia. It's you and I. Interaction, interaction. If you want to marry somebody and they say, me for church people, I don't like that. I keep to myself. Run away because that person is bringing to you. Am I preaching at all? <laughs> Let me finish. Watch, 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 watch this. Look at verse 7 again. It says, if we walk in darkness, uh, sorry, we were in the light, as he is in the light, we have, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ uh, cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one. He started talking about life. Life. We are talking about this life, so you can have fellowship with us. 
God, we are telling you this so you can have fellowship with us. Because the life actually generates from fellowship. But if you are not in fellowship, then sin remains loyal (laughs) and rife. So one of the ways to activate and release the life of God to manifest in different areas of your life is fellowship. I'm not talking about pub. Christian, Christian fellowship where the gospel is the center. It's not our feelings about people, but the gospel and our hearts for God is the center. Amen. Don't let anyone deceive you to say, to think that church is not important. Church gathering is not important. Don't let anyone deceive you because I give you 10 years. 10 years is even far. Seven years, it will be showing on you. Because death is so wicked. When it begins, sometimes it takes its time slowly. Yes. So the other time I saw some guys, they were cutting a tree. The tree, it was blossoming. They cut the tree. The tree was dead in the center. And the, guy, the tree surgeon told me that this thing, within a few years, it would have just, bitterly, it would have fallen on somebody. Because it looks like it was alive, but it was died. Then. That's death. Death. So you may look like, it looks like your relationship is doing fine. Now I'm married, we are living, we are going, we are living our own life. <laughs> you are living fellowship. You are done playing fellowship. Because now you got a good job. Please, danger. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.